0: in the world before I returned to parish. I was living on campuses and of course, there is a different communication style with college students and the world, a very diverse world I lived in. And so certain phrases and certain colorful language was part and parcel. You hear it all the time. And every once in a while, people would have certain phrases that come out of them and I usually ignored most of the stuff I was hearing. But there was one phrase that came out in anger or frustration or, or just a kind of internal displacement, if you will. And a person would utter out the name of God. And then asking, of course, that God continue on by damning and condemning. Well, that's an interesting phrase to talk about GD this and GD that. And so it triggered my theological interest in the one uttering the phrase. I said, "So tell me, how does God damn something?" I mean, how does that work? What's the trigger there?" And the qui are looking at me like, "What?" And then I would dig a little bit deeper. I mean, it's horrible theology, uh, first of all, it's terrible theology. But tell me, what's the mechanism? You just invoke the name of God to damn something. I need to know, where did you get that idea that this is how God functions? To invoke God's name and bring about the call to damn something, to condemn something, to throw something or people into hell. Where did you learn that about God? Needless to say, the 19-year-old looking at me going, what did I just trigger, which is okay, which is great. But there's always been a pause with people who know me about that phrase. And I said, you know, we don't look at God that way. You know that, don't you? And, of course, they don't know this. In fact, it is such an easy phrase to use because it already fits where most people are. It's the whole idea of, of pain and pleasure, punishment and reward. Well, so when I do good, God rewards me and blesses me. If I do bad, God doesn't like me and will hurt me, right? It comes from behavioral modification of children. And somehow it's in our theology and in our experience of life. And we put on God that same mechanism. If I do bad, God doesn't like you. Or if I do good, God really likes you. God's really proud of you. Like God has these emotional kinds of movements. I've heard phrases like when you sin, you hurt God. Really? How do you hurt the creator of the universe? Seriously, how do you hurt them? And Paul, in this beautiful second reading, is all about setting the record straight. That God does not function like we do. That God, first and foremost, is rich in mercy. The characteristic of God that is so dynamic and so powerful and so incredible is something that we as human beings lack a lot of. It is mercy, mercy that has no end to it. God is rich in mercy, and God is constantly pouring out God's mercy on all of us, especially when we are in trouble, especially when we sin, especially when we are filled with transgressions. God's mercy, in fact, is the response to our sin. Think about that. God will bless me when I'm doing good. What is that a hint to? That I am evoking God's blessing because I am so good. But it doesn't work that way. It is precisely in my brokenness and in my sin that God's mercy is just poured out. God's grace another word is giftedness, charis. That God's gift, God's grace and gift to us is not a thing, but a divine action that never knows an ending. Constantly pouring upon us His grace, that by faith we understand the divine presence in our lives. And this is the other thing, too in terms of what we have a problem with in terms of most Catholics, because when you see, remember All Saints Day? On the homily, and I was talking about who here thinks they're bound for heaven, and only about a quarter of the people in the church raised their hand, and I asked, where's the rest going? (laughs) Here's a Catholic view. Are you going to heaven? Are you bound up with God? And we cross our fingers and say, I think, I hope, I don't know. We're so fearful because... Our spiritual life is like we're looking over our shoulder. Is God still smiling at me? Oh, good. Is he frowning? Oh, I mean, think about the level of emotional immaturity in our faith life. That's why we're afraid of God. Getcha. And we are so predisposed to that, since we're upbringing all the way, that it's very hard to make that turn. Then in our faith life, what do we always use? What's the language of our faith life? Is that I have strong faith. What does strong faith mean? I have a sense of God in my life. Wonderful. Or I have weak faith. What does that mean? I don't have a sense of God. Guess what? God still has a sense of you, and God never holds back. And it is precisely this divine movement into our lives that Paul says we don't earn. We can't create. It is pure gift. And the thing about this, it humbles us. Because like you know, in, in, in you know, in the wintertime, and you're in a hot shower, or you're in a place filled with love and peace, and you just sort of sit there, and all the stuff comes upon you, and you go, you didn't create a thing, it's just pouring upon you. That's the experience of God. That we don't create a thing. That faith is our ability to recognize and to receive the gift of God. What strong faith is that I recognize that unworthily as I am, I have been filled with the mercy of God. That's what real faith looks like. And you can guess where all the other challenges are. Do I have faith enough to trust and to believe that god has that capacity of mercy for me because deep down there's a lingering doubt there isn't there it can't be that good it can't be that that expansive it can't be that free uh uh-uh, uh there's got to be a catch and that's our undoing for not to be able to trust in the gift of god prevents us from being changed You know as well as I, as we have been filled with love and graciousness of life, guess what happens to us? We are changed by it. We live differently when we are filled with love, when the graciousness of God is part of our life. We believe it and trust it and celebrate it every day. We do not live in fear or in darkness. We do live in the light. Somebody had one in Mass that says, yeah, but, you you know, God does condemn us. Uh, I don't know about that. Look at it this way. I pray to God for life. But I don't want to eat any food. I don't want to drink any water. And I don't want to breathe. And God says to me, you're dead. (laughs) God did not kill me. I refuse to, in fact, act on the way God has created me. In love and in this mercy, we become the handiwork of God, which means our lives are a reflection of the great gift of his mercy. We become the venue of the light shining forth. Brothers and sisters, The more things are screwed up, the more God's going to grace us. And in that grace, we draw great consolation. For in God, all is possible. Jesus came into this world not to condemn it, but to save it. Let us give God glory and praise.